Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. This is your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 38, the Simone Muratori episode, or we can just call it the bricklaying episode since that is how things translate into English. So we are coming to you, oh, I don't know, in a fairly disgruntled mood, probably, knowing how things went Saturday, seeing as we're recording about... 24 or so hours after the final whistle sounded in Verona. So before we get to our latest Juventus therapy session here on the podcast, let me bring in the crew here of Sam Presti. Hello, Sam. Grumble, grumble. Grumble, grumble. Exactly. We've got Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Hey, what's up? Um, I always uh, enjoy the uh, translations, the Italian to English translations of names. It's uh... <laughs> it's odd but it's just it's always funny well luckily luckily number 41 on this season squad in a couple of weeks is a very amusing english translation so we'll oh i think i know which one it is. I think I know. <laughs> yes i won't spoil it but i think I know. <laughs> last but not least we've got sergio hello sergio hey what's up happy to be here it's always again and i hate that i have to say it but happy to be here in the podcast not happy overall is becoming a running theme, but you know, it is what it is. So is life as a Juventus fan right now. And I think we can uh, safely assume that this weekend was unfortunately a lot like a lot of other weekends we've had watching Juventus this season where 
we are left frustrated and maybe a little disappointed, but this time it comes at the end of February where points are about as valuable as they come, knowing that you need to try and make up some some lost ground in the standings. So uh, whoever wants to vent first, your thoughts on Juventus's latest draw and just what it might mean for Juventus's titles hopes this season, if they still have any. I always like having Sam start. I don't know why. I always like. <laughs> okay, then. Okay, then I will. Uh... <laughs> so go ahead, um, Sam. Off all right. All right. Well, for, in terms of the in terms of the implication to the title race, obviously that's that's slipping farther and farther away every time. You know, there's points are not. You know, points are too valuable right now to be to be losing them like this. And yeah, I mean, now you're ten points down with you. You have the game in hand. You know, may, maybe maybe you get bailed out by that weird stuff that's going on with Lazio and the COVID stuff and covering up positive tests. And there are rumors that they might uh, end up defaulting that game to Juventus and that would tack on to points, but you know, and I, I would love to see the, I can't wait for the, the reaction to that. <laughs> are you trying to, are you trying to uh, say that Claudio Lotito wouldn't respond in a classy sort of way? Oh, oh, that would be fun. Um, but not, not not just him, but everybody. Just, you know, Juventus gets the two points. Rah, 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 rah. But, and yeah, I mean, right now, Inter, without any European hangups, are looking really, really, you know, they're looking strong. They get to rest a lot more. They don't have this horrendous injury situation, which is just, I mean... Dang, I mean, I and and here I was like a week ago being like, wow, Real Madrid is like get is like hammered going into the Atalanta game, and then like a week later, here we are with the almost the exact same issue. It was what um, I believe. I believe Real Madrid had was it thirteen senior senior squad players for Atalanta, and then yeah, Juventus and we had twelve. Had, yeah, Juventus basically had a starting 11 Weston McKinney and then the two uncles on the bench who are backup goalkeepers and that's backup it. goalkeepers and then the kids and that yeah. was and you know and like I said in my match recap I I would have personally if I'm Pirlo why the heck not like it, when you need fresh legs and you need some ideas I would have I would have dumped one of them on I I might have also let Radu Dragozin start as a as a center back and see what you know see what that'll do. I can't believe that I agree fully with something that Antonio Cassano says, but he said earlier this week, he talked about how the, you know, in Italy, we don't let the youth, we don't give the youth chance. We don't give young players a chance in, in Italy. And I've, I've said for years that I think that that is the disease of Calcio that, that it's always the older players, the more experienced players, younger players never get a chance. You look at just Juventus. I've, I've complained about this a lot too. How many players from the youth system have made a, a serious contribution to the first team in ever Claudio Marquisio, one year of Moise Kane. That's it. But the game itself, it did not surprise me because one 
Verona is a pig of a team to play. Jurich has them really playing well. Um, and, you know, with that few, you know, with, with, with so few players and so few options, Pirlo basically, uh, Sergio, you said it, he basically, you know, wrote down the names of all the guys that aren't hurt and said, all right, go try. And, and it stank. It was, it, it was an ugly game to watch. Did not, was not helped by some really awful refereeing by Fabio Maresca, um, who just never let the game get into a rhythm. And like you said, Danny, one, one mistake and it costs them. But the reality is what else could have been done in a, in a situation like this? There, there wasn't any, there wasn't much. Like, I don't see what you could look at and say, Andrea Pirlo should have done this differently. Or, you know, one of the guy, players should have done, uh, uh, except for Alexandro, you know, not realizing that there was a guy behind him. Yes, he should have done, he should have done that differently. But like, I don't see from a, uh, from a coaching standpoint, how anything could have been changed. This is just one of those ones where it sucks, but you kind of have to wear it because there's nothing else you can do. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's really uh, his hands were tied. Uh, Pirlo's hands were tied. There's really not much he could have done. Uh, like you said, there's really only Weston McKenney on the bench and uh yeah, all the kids, <laughs> really. Um, all the kids were on the bench. And uh, Sammy also made the point, and I think in your match recap, that there was the issue of, or maybe Pirlo's reluctance to play some of the kids uh, too much was um, the whole issue with the parents' cap. And, like, you know, if they play too much for the seniors, senior side, then, you know, they they wouldn't be eligible to play for the beast, which, you know, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, think the, I think the cutoff there is like seven games or something like that. Oh, that's crazy. I don't, don't, yeah, that's, quote, yeah. don't quote me. Don't quote me. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I think that that's, I think it's, it's somewhere in that range. Just something low like that. Yeah. Yeah. That would be crazy because I mean, well, yeah, Dragusin has played what two Coppa Italia games, I believe. Good. And you know, yeah. Fagioli two Coppa is... and one champions league. Although I don't think that counts. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I understand in that sense, it's like, if you're going to use them, then you basically have to like go big and like use them full. There's no real middle ground of like, you either basically use them once or twice or use them all the time. And yeah, that, that is unfortunate. Yeah. So what else could he have done? I mean, really little. And like you said, uh, Hellas Verona, I mean, they're a good side. They're really, you know, solid, like top or yeah. Upper middle table. Uh, side, you know, seventh, eighth, yeah, give them place. a give them a reliable striker, and they're a Europa League team, I think. Yeah, for sure, and you know, if they strengthen, like get yeah, one or two right players, then I mean, absolutely, they can make a Europa League. So you know, I don't think I really, I didn't go into this game thinking, oh, it's just Hellas, you know, like we'll be all right. I mean, it's still Hellas Verona away uh, from home, which, granted, I do have to say, uh, I always feel kind of odd saying like, oh, it's an away game now that there's no crowd, because you know. I believe there was some research done basically saying, I mean, stating the obvious, like when there's no crowd, your home advantage essentially disappears, which by equivalency would mean that your away disadvantage also disappears. Um, so, you know, it feels kind of odd saying like, oh, home advantage or home disadvantage. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're, you know, <laughs> where does that leave us? Well, <laughs> I mean, I believe we're seven points uh, if we win our game in hand, which I mean, that game in hand, I think that's really D make or break at this point. You know, that if nothing happens with if we fail to win that game in hand against Napoli, it's yeah, it was already important anyway. And at this point, it's really 
yeah a final really every game is a final i mean it's, it's so cliche to say but it's really every game is a final at this point um and there's really i mean there's no room for error and as sergio said in his uh grab bag it's like you know we would have to beat inter we'd have to win the game in hand and then it would only be only be four points and then you know they would have to slip up like a few times but we, we would also have to be perfect which at this point given the strange season that it is i mean anybody being perfect i mean even byron byron this year have also been like very shaky uh defensively anyway i mean they've just you know blown teams out of the water with goals but you know defensively that even even byron have been yeah suspect so um i think that's really a lot to ask but in terms of the game itself i mean at least some positives there uh, i think you know and i'm sure we'll talk about this later you know, we've praised Weston McKenney a lot uh, this season, rightly so, but uh, I don't think we've praised Federico Chiesa enough. I mean, he's been really, really, really excellent as a newcomer as well. You know, I mean, okay, he's been in the, in the league for a long time. Obviously, he's Italian, speaks Italian and all that. So, you know, a uh, bit of an advantage there, but still he's been really, really, really excellent um, as a newcomer. And especially... You know, as a newcomer from a smaller side uh, like Fiorentina, and hopefully I don't get. Uh, don't worry, don't worry. Tito <laughs> won't be coming at you saying that Fiorentina is a smaller side. <laughs> yeah, I hope I don't get a lot of abuse for that um, because I don't know. You never know who's listening. Honestly, you never know who's listening. So <laughs> I always like to cover my ground on that. But yeah, coming from a smaller side like uh, Fiorentina, it's it's there's always an adjustment period. You know, there was that for DiBala, there was that for uh, Bernadeschi as well, but it's basically not been one for Chiesa you know and again I mean I'm sure we'll talk about him later but um, at least that's the really really big positive I think from yesterday and just in general from the last yeah handful of games Uh, and he's played a lot of minutes too I mean he's really really I mean from what I know he's basically guaranteed starter at this point and he's barely rested so you know shout out to Chiesa for that and you know I think he definitely deserves credit uh, for his uh, first half season or so um, of Juventus uh, play. Yeah, I, I, I think that's number one. I, I completely agree on Chiesa. I think that dude is, you know, the, the Chiesa that we're seeing right now in the, in the second half of the season, pretty much, uh, you know, starting from the Milan game onwards, I think it's been a completely different player than the one that we saw at the beginning of the season. He has grown a lot. He has, you know, just improved significantly in a lot of the things that, many people saw as, as his weak points you know I think his decision making is better I think his uh, you know his pace and his his work uh, was never in doubt but I think it's much more meaningful now that like his defending is better his positioning is better his vision is, is so much better like I, I think I mentioned that you know early season Chiesa when he you know gets that that's dribble from Ramsey he would have tried to like dribble three dudes or try to shoot it even though he's completely covered, right? Like, and now he kind of like stops, takes that extra beat to really analyze the situation and then just makes the easy pass to Ronaldo, right? That That's the type of stuff that Chiesa is, is kind of doing right now that he wasn't doing before. And and I agree, if you want to take a, you know, a positive from, from these last few matches, I think that guy is, is definitely, you know, he was a big money signing and they definitely needed to, to, to hit on one of those for sure. And... But, you know, outside of that, you know, I think like Sam mentioned, you know, Verona is not an easy an easy team. They haven't won there in, in that stadium in four years. A draw 
all things considered, especially with how shorthanded you are, it's not a bad result. But it's the problem is that they let themselves, and again, we come back to the same thing, they left themselves so little breathing room that you can't have those draws. Like you can't have those. We are completely shorthanded. We have no one available to us. We are counting on Federico Bernardeschi to be a, like a big time player right now because we literally have no one else. And you get a draw. It's not a bad result in a vacuum, but at this point, Juventus is not playing in a vacuum. And yeah, I mean, 10 points back, you know, I've killed the season for Juventus and revived it over and over again. So I'm not going to do it once more, but it's tough. It's really, really tough to, to see a scenario in which Juventus just rips up a, you know, 10 game winning streak, which is essentially what they need at this point. So it's, they put themselves in a, in a pretty tough scenario. And and the, the truth is that it's going to be that by a thousand paper cuts because Right now, as it stands, they've only lost three times in the league, which is the second lowest amount of losses in the league. But they also have seven draws. So that, that's going to be it. It's, it's not even the games they lost. It's the fact that they drew seven times in the season right now. You're not going to you know, get out of that, that hole and, and kind of aspire to win when you get this type of frustrating results you know, over and over again, and especially against teams that, you know, you would expect to beat them. So it's disappointing. It's a letdown, obviously. But at this point, I think, and and we can talk about this more in depth, you know, later, but at this point, I think they'd be better served focusing on the Champions League and, and focusing on finishing in a European spot and kind of, you know, I mean, it is what it is, honestly, at this point. Well, that's part of the disappointment, right, is that they they had this draw, but it was a draw under the circumstances, that we, as we've been saying for weeks now, and I, I feel like I've been a broken record and stuff that I write. It's like they know we know they need to win because they have X amount of points, when, you know, seeing as it, it's a constant, constantly changing in terms of who's in, what's in front of them. But they've needed, you know, to make up points ever since we've been say, basically been like, look, they need to start really rattling off wins since the beginning of January. And like what happened Saturday, it's like, okay, shorthanded and all, but they still need to win. They're still, you know, they could have put, they could have been the ones to put the pressure on Inter and Milan to, to win. Whereas then as you look at what happened, Juve draw, Milan and Inter take the field today, earlier today, and they're like, oh, we can get even more breathing room between us and Juventus. So you look at Inter, like mentioned, no Europe, all that. Antonio Conte, well, when did he win his first title with Juve? Well, same kind of situation as now. So, yeah, I mean, it's just – it's one of those deals where shorthanded, sure, but we've also been saying the same thing about Juventus for weeks where it's like they need points. And – you're not going to get points with draws, even though you do get technically do get a point. Man, that was a that was a <laughs> quite a quite a mental uh, math. There. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I'm here all week. <laughs> no, uh, I did just want to mention something on Inter. I was just looking for the article on my phone. I don't think I can find it so quickly. Uh, oh no, I did find it. 
so I've read an article just this morning saying that the club or sorry, the company that owns uh, Inter and uh, amongst others and Guangzhou Evergrande and uh, Jiangsu FC, the company that owns them just said it's focusing on its core businesses, leaving non-retail assets at risk. Um, and basically the, the club Jiangsu FC- They just FC, folded their Chinese team. Yeah, they just said like, we're done. <laughs> I just it's like that just won the championship in yeah. China and they folded the team. Yeah, imagine it's like it's like if Real Madrid just said like, oh yeah, no, we're done. And like we're just we're stopping. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're just, like we just went on. We're 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 moving on. Um, but anyway, just to kind of explain the significance of that, um, obviously they own you know Inter Inter Milan and you know which basically I was talking to one of my um, friends, uh, my Italian friends about this, like, you know, if Inter don't win the season, uh, the title this season, I mean, that could have real, real ramifications, uh, along with just, you know, their owners, like, essentially saying, you know, figure it out yourself. Yeah, it could have real significant ramifications for them. And as a consequence, also Italian football, because I mean, as much as I despise them, and well, frankly, I wouldn't mind seeing them go bankrupt. But, um, you know, it would definitely have uh, financial ramifications for uh, Inter, which you know, who knows what would, what that would do to their player, uh, to their players, and to the availability of their players. So um, I did just want to, um, yeah, point that out real quick. Well, it's not like Juve's financial report earlier this week was all that much better. <laughs> was, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh... granted. Granted, I mean, obviously that was expected, but you know, it's still. Um, but yeah, no. To um, I guess to go back to uh, I think something's. Sergio said, and and you, Danny, um, which, you know, the positives just from, you know, Chiesa playing well. Uh, to me, that's kind of going back to like, okay, what would be a success for this season? Well, A, what will be a success for this season? And then B, what are those successes that we can then build on for next uh, next season? So, you know, I look at players, um, obviously, you know, De Ligt, you know, continuing to grow just as a Juve player and just being comfortable as Juventino, of course, McKenny. Surprisingly, uh, I love how you said this, uh, uh, Sergio. Like how uh, Artur's absence is like what was it like the best thing in his career or something? Or I think on the grab bag, he said something uh, about him. I, I should probably grab that. Uh, uh, see yeah, that no, quote, but I thought that was essentially funny. Essentially, my point was that the fact that this midfield is struggling so bad without him is pretty much the best thing that could have happened to him because. Right now, it's like you know, we now it, like at first it was like, oh, Arthur is like he could develop into a nice player, and I was like, we need Arthur. Like this team is lost without him. Like he, he's now suddenly like a key piece into this team, and that was very much not the case early in the season. So th- this is like he's just shining the the most out of just his absence, which is and it's sad, and it's incredible too. And it's incredible too that like I I I I've been thinking a lot in the those in the rougher games that we've had like you know it was it was a couple of weeks ago that we started talking about how maybe you the team was really hitting a stride in you know late January you know mid to late January and that coincided with Pirlo finding pretty much the right midfield combination with McKenny Bentancur and Artur. And now that he is, you know, still unavailable, you know, without him there, everything has gone to hell in that midfield again. Because, you know, like we've said, you know, we've said it before, Rabiot, Bentancourt, both good players, too similar, I think, to play with each other in the same midfield. And McKenney's, I think, just kind of been whipped to death and just 
you know, completely, completely run out. Like you said, Sergio, the, the idea that, you know, the idea that he would be the player that we're pining for to get back off the injured list was kind of preposterous in, you know, November. And now here we are saying that he's really the key to saving to saving whatever can be salvaged this season. And don't forget the last line about Arthur in Sergio's grab bag. When he comes back, he will be the most popular player on the team. Yeah, by far. <laughs> People will be excited that he's back on the team. Like everyone's oh, yeah. going to be like, yes. Which again, it was very hard to picture earlier in the season. Like very hard to imagine that, oh, that dude who essentially does nothing great we definitely need him like that is the point where we are at right now and and i think i agree completely with sam just like not that long ago you know we were singing the praises of this new midfield and how team was finally turning a corner and then you know that that injury bug hits again and and you know we're sitting here almost in march Uh, this will probably go live in march and pretty much we're we're you know calling the season off which is pretty tough and i understand that you know every other city uh, team fan base is just playing the smallest violin in the world for us it's like okay i get it like juventus (laughs) is not the most you know i get it like they're gonna make fun and they're gonna you know get their jokes off and that's fine that's reasonable i get it but you know it's 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 tough because this team was really starting to play really well and injuries take a toll and and that's that and and it might be that it's still not quite mathematically over but it 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 might be over so that's that's just rough that's just bad luck i get that we have had many many bounces go our way in, in the italian league last nine years but this this was one that just the luck hasn't been on our side for sure it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. You look at the injuries and, I mean, obviously Paulo Dybala is the most notable one just by the pure length that he's been out. But how many times have we seen Juventus injuries and, you know, maybe they're not so, I guess, open 
in terms of what they're saying about injuries as previous years, but Giorgio Chiellini, Leonardo Bonucci, you know, they've been day to day for how many days now, you know, it's, it's, they've been out for a few weeks. So it's not, it, it's, it's just an unfortunate situation where obviously we're on the outside looking in and we're kind of only going off of what both the club and then the small part of what the Italian press says, but it's just these, these injuries that we thought initially weren't going to be so long, you know, Paulo Dybala was only supposed to be what, two, three weeks. Now we're coming in on month two being over. So it's just, you know, you talk about the luck and the luck is that, or the bad luck is that they've also been out for longer than we initially thought they were. And who knows if that's just, you know, these players' bodies just saying, look, I've basically been going for nearly a year straight, you know, enough. Or, you know, in, in Dybala's case, you know, he played so much over the summer. Maybe this is his body just saying, look, you know, I need, I need some time off. After I, COVID too. Yeah, after COVID. And Perfect. just saying, look, I need, some, I need some time off to fully recover from, from what, what happened to me last spring. That's crazy because that's, that's Serie A MVP, Paolo Dybala. Like that's legitimately the best player in the league that they have gotten nothing from, like literally nothing from him the entire year. Like it, it really speaks to, number one, the, well, the on-paper depth that this team had at, at the beginning of the year. And number two, just the amount and, and, and just gravity of so many injuries happening to a team that we haven't even really talked about that much about the fact that the, the best player in the league, they really, he hasn't really played this year a whole lot. So it, it, it's just been, you know, it's just been one of those years for the team, just, just one of those years. And, and, you know, we can, we can talk about this, you know, later because I'm, I'm sure there, there'll probably be a question about it on, on the, on the question segment of, of the pod, but this is why to me, this, this year just feels so unfair to, to judge, you know, Andrea Pirlo as a new manager, so many players themselves as, as whether or not they're, they're going to be part of the next, uh, next year's club, just because it's been so, it's just so weird and, and just crazy year. It, it's going to be really hard to evaluate really the level of skill that, that exists in this team, because I do believe that, that the, the skeleton, the, the, the key core components of a really, really good team are there they just need to kind of figure out how to how to get it to work and that's that's not gonna that was never going to be easy but that was definitely almost impossible in a year like this yeah and like i like i said earlier just kind of taking the pause this from this season and hopefully building on that next season um you want to have like kind of the spine of the side you know which uh, Tim Vickery always says. <laughs> um, the He's back. Of- there we go. There <laughs> I knew we go. you would enjoy that. <laughs> um, but you always want to build on that spine of the side. So, you know, from back to front, goalkeeper, central, center back or center backs, central midfielder slash central midfielders and uh, center forward. So, you know, obviously goalkeeper, we got, you know, we got that nailed down. Yeah, De Ligt and Demiral as well. I think, you know, definitely he's, He's had an uptick in form and I had kind of written him off actually. I remember like a month or two ago, <laughs> uh, I think, I'd, yeah, when we had the season, first half of the season recap, I think, I'd, I think I'd written him off as like the most disappointing player or least valuable player. Take it so, back, uh, Jocks. So uh, yeah, you can uh, dig into the archives for that one. Um, and uh, yeah, then central midfield. Yeah. I mean, Artur, I guess. And 
Um, then going forward into like, yeah, Dybala and stuff. But just on, on Dybala and, and then on Artur, um, you know, it's interesting that just, I mean, Dybala has essentially been out, yeah, out injured or out of form, yeah, most of the season. And he's the player that provides that creativity from essentially the final third um, of the pitch. Um, and then you have Artur who provides the creativity from essentially the first third of the pitch just coming out of defense. So we've had those players either injured out of form or, you know, once he just picked up form, got injured. Um, and I think that's really significant as well. And then also Bonucci missing, who also provides that out ball, you know, from uh, central defense. So you have all like those three players, those three kind of key creative players from every line of the pitch essentially injured or out of form at the same time. And I think, you know, you shouldn't overlook that because just tactically speaking that, I mean, that really, really messes with your entire, entire structure of the team. Uh, you know, if you have the player in central, central defense that usually gets the ball out or carries the ball out or, you know, plays that long ball is that kind of first out ball, you know, he's gone. And then, the, the, the regista essentially also the only one really that which is actually a serious problem but the only one you know being Artur also out and then the kind of you know trequartista sort I mean punta, but uh, you know Dybala that creativity all the way up, up front in the pitch also gone all in the center and, and I mean that yeah and no wonder then we can no wonder we can't handle a press <laughs> you know no wonder we can't handle teams that press us hard because yeah I mean at the moment we just have those players out that are uh, that would help us handle that uh, problem all at the same time and plus also with Artur the thing is I think it's really worrying that we only have one player of his skill set in our midfield uh, because, you know, Bentancur and, and Rabio are essentially, I mean, yeah, redundancies, I guess, as you would, you know, call them in kind of engineering speak, you know, they, yeah, they have the same skill set, which is fine. I mean, one can be at a backup to the other, but obviously if you have them at the same time, then it's problematic and there is no backup for Artur. So, you know, we only have one player with his skill set in the side. So, um, you know, I think that is, clearly backfiring right now but that's a learning point for next season because then we know okay that is really a player a backup player that is really one we need uh, for next season because if we have that then hey we got a pretty good midfield I know you want to say something Sam but real quick just a comparison for Paulo Dybala in terms of how little he's played this year he has essentially played the same amount of minutes as Gianluca Frabota who I think we can all assume is kind of, you know, the prototypical backup on this team. And while a lot of those minutes came early in the season when Alexandra was out, it just shows you that Dybala really outside of a month or so hasn't really played. And that, I mean, that just shows you really kind of how unfortunate and how lost this season has become for him. Yeah. And I think, you know, going back to, you know, what, uh, to what you just said, Chucks, you know, and, and a little bit of what Sergio said too, you know, when you, you know, you don't have a guy that can really step in and play the same role for Artur, you know, we kind of went into the season thinking Bentancourt would be able to do it for whatever reason. That's really kind of dropped off this year. Like you said, Danny, you know, as opposed to, you know, being a complete, you know, Jack of all trades for the midfield, he, he all of a sudden really has is only 
performing well in one particular role this season. It might be the tactics. It might be that he's just, you know, tired. I don't know. But, you know, the fact that you don't have, you, you don't have that. And what Sergio was talking about, about, you know, having the bones for actually a pretty good team. I think that I, I agree with that. You know, if you, and if you flesh it out a little more with, you know, that guy that I, you know, for instance, that guy I always talk about and other guys and, but also, you know, maybe a little bit more depth up front. The thing is, I don't necessarily know if I trust Fabio Paratici to be able to do it well. I think that we, I think that we now have a large enough sample size with him as the head, as the head guy, as the sporting director, as opposed to Beppe Monotta's lieutenant to say he's get, he's very good at making big signings. I don't think he's as good at putting together a functional team. And I think, and that is, I think, and then, and then you look at Inter where the players really do fit together and work together as that, as that unit, which of course is Beppe Marotta's doing, you know, the, the student certainly has not surpassed the master and, you know, Paratici's contract is, you also have to wonder about what's going on in the summer because Paratici's contract is up at the end of this season. And I have seen no scuttlebutt rumor reporting nothing about a contract extension for him. So it's really going to be interesting. So it's going to be interesting to see that. But I don't know if, you know, I don't know if Paratici can actually do it right. If he does stay, I hope he does, obviously. But I'm not particular. I'm not particularly confident in him right now. Yeah, I think it's fair to to question, you know, the the logic behind a lot of the moves he made. Honestly, to be fair, you know, it's it's tough, and and especially because we don't know the inner workings of Juventus, so it's really hard for me to, to, you know, say what happened or what didn't happen, you know, especially with the, the Mauricio Sarri appointment, you know, there were a bunch of room, there were rumors galore that the reason he was, you know, axed only one season into his contract was because he had lost the locker room and because, uh, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo said that if, if he was still the manager, he would not, you know, stay at Juventus and, you know, rumors, we don't know. There's really no way of knowing, but I, I don't think, and, and again, this is not me, you know, this is not the most uh, strong show of support for him. And, you know, if there's no like new contract, who knows what's going to be with that. Right. But I don't think the signings have been that bad. I think I can outside of the Aaron Ramsey signing, which even at the time I was like, OK, this is kind of like a, a Hail Mary type of thing. Like this is I don't get this one. But outside of that one, I, I, I can definitely see a lot of logic in what he was trying to do. I just think he got bit by the fact that a lot of guys didn't develop the way he thought that they would. I'm, you know, just bad luck with Arthur, for example. He was finally panning out. If he was still playing right now, and if he was kind of like that linchpin in the midfield, we would all be saying, like, that's a stroke of genius right there. Like, he flipped an old guy, Marilyn Pjanic, into, a, like, this young dude who definitely fits the team, who definitely fits the system, who can definitely, who's stabilizing the whole thing. And, you know, they definitely they thought Rodrigo Ventancourt would take that next step. He didn't. 
right now, you know, the, the center back depth, right now it's like easy to say, like, man, they have no one there. Like, what what the hell happened? We had a bunch of the guys. And and at the time, for example, right now, Christian Romero right now, and I know I'm, you know, I'm partial to the guy, but he's playing really well in Atalanta. I, you know, I at times looking better even than Medi Demiral is looking right now. You could definitely look at that guy and say, like, we could really use him. But you knew it was at the time it was like, okay, do you keep Romero or do you keep Demiral? I think the vast majority of us thought that Demiral was the better bet to to be the better center back. And that is not a, a slight on Demiral. I think he's really good. But, you know, I think at the time, a lot of those decisions were defensible. A lot of those decisions were good. They just haven't panned out. And, you know, as an executive, I think that happens sometimes. Like you said, who knows if, if next year he's still as, you know, the, the head guy at Juventus. Who knows? But I, at this point, the thing that I want to see the most out of Juve is just some semblance of consistency, some semblance of, of just keeping wherever this is going, just try to keep it going. Keep Andrea Pirlo. If, if that is the case, like give this, give Paratici guy another year, just try to have a plan. And if that plan doesn't work, then you can just blow it all up and, and figure it out after that and go a new direction. But this, this, you know, kind of the way they have been working as of late, which is pretty much a year after year, change of directions and change in attitude and changing what they're trying to do that's not the way to build a successful club and and i i just would like whatever happens this season i would just like to see them keep at it just try to maintain a semblance of a plan and and see where that leads you because that's the only way that they're gonna be a, a successful club again and you know i mean we don't have to win the league every year that's not a birthright. You know, at some point this was going to be over. It, it had to yes, happen. <laughs> you know, for, for, for some eight-year-old kids in Italy, it is. Yeah, <laughs> it really yeah is. definitely. I, it's funny because every time, ever since I started writing for, for, for the blog, every year that I get to do the league champions thing, every year I'm like, this is going to end at some point. And it, so far it hadn't, but I think that this might be the year. So, you know. At some point, it had to happen, I guess. So Sergio was right, technically. Technically, right. I've been calling it since like you keep 2017, on. but technically, <laughs> at some point, it was going to be over. Also, I'm surprised nobody called Sergio out on the Romero bias. Look, I'm partial to the guy. I'm partial to the guy. I admit it, but <laughs> he's slide. been playing really well for Atalanta. He's been playing really, yes. really well. Like He's developing really well over there. All right, well, we'll, well, we will roll, say that three times fast, right into the Twitter questions from friend of the blog at Arthur Schmidt the fourth. We are halfway through the season of sorts, and I assume sorts kind of in gesturing at everything going on. Uh, so how do we evaluate Andrea Pirlo? With great difficulty, because, <laughs> because like Sergio said, I mean, with all of, with the way this season has had to shake down, with with covid and with everything i mean how do you put how do you put those standard the standards of a normal season onto a guy like Pier, onto pirlo where there's just nothing to you know there's no oh god what's the word i'm looking for there, there's no normalcy here you can't like it's an entirely different prism that you're looking through at this point you have to look kind of like this kind of touches back on what Sergio was saying just a second ago. 
we I think that you have to evaluate Pirlo in terms of what does the project look like? And if you let that project run, give him a couple of player additions that could fit it, can you extrapolate it, that into the future? My own personal calculus right now is yes. And I think that unless something catastrophic happens and Juventus were to not finish in the top four or something, that he deserves another year or at least to start next season. I think that there are the, like Sergio said, there's the bones of a good team here. I really think the bones of a good coach are in Pirlo. I just think that he needs those last couple of players and the time to really make this a project in order to do it. But even then, I can't say that with any real certainty because look at what the heck has been going on this year. The All the, the difficulties with injuries and stuff could be covering up, you know, Pirlo as a really good coach. It also could be covering him up as, you know, maybe a deficient coach that needs a lot of time and a little bit of time at a lower level to get some, get some experience in before he comes back up again. But there's, there's no way to really tell. Yeah. If I could uh, jump on that quickly as well. I, with evaluating managers, I try to kind of follow a rule of thumb of kind of saying, okay, you know, what defines success for a manager? Generally, I like to say, you know, a manager is supposed to maximize his resources, maximize his given resources. So, you know, if a, if a manager, an underperforming manager to me is one that hasn't maximized uh, the resources at his disposal. I found it to be the fairest kind of, you know, assessment I can give. Yeah. For managers. But then there's obviously the, you know, as Sam kind of alluded to, there's a difficult question of, well, you know, sure, you can maximize your resources, but it's not exactly a fair condition this year, given everything that's gone on, you know, uh, yeah, COVID and just, you know, the compression of all the games, you know, every three days, basically a game every three or four days, and then injuries, and then, yeah, no, everything going on, no crowds, obviously, either, which, I mean, that's significant, too, you know, crowds could, like, definitely lift the spirits of players and managers. Um, Especially at a stadium like Juventus has, where the crowd is on top of you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, so given that, it's just, it's, it's, it's hard to give a fair assessment of, of Beerlow. But yeah, I mean, all things considered, I think he has probably maximized the resources he has been given, honestly, again, given the conditions. So, I mean, he has my vote for continuing as manager for next season. So, you know, that's, uh, you know, hope he stays. Yeah, I, I think as far as this continuation, I think I, you know, I mentioned it already before. I think you have to keep keep with the plan, whatever the plan is. I think you have to keep it. I don't really see, number one, I don't think there's a manager out there that would definitely come here and be an immediate upgrade of, over Pirlo. You know, at some point, you just have to have some consistency. Look at the teams that are, you know, unfortunately, you know, above Juventus in the city at table. It's Milan who has, who gave Pioli more time after he finally kind of put this team on the right track last season they, they kept yeah. it going look at inter as much as we hate to to mention it they put up a plan a couple of years ago when or last year i guess whenever they brought in content whenever they brought in my and they gave them time to make it work and it's finally working and it's finally paying off i i never really liked or, or approved not that you know juventus calls me to know whether or not they i approve of, of whatever they do 
but I never really loved the Sarri appointment. But I was against his dismissal last year because like you can't give that guy only one year and hope that things will work out. Like you have to give them time. And and it's the same thing for Pirlo. I, I think letting him go would be very, very short-sighted. It would it's just not the way to build a, a consistent winning club. And and I just I I can't really foresee a scenario in which I would support uh, dismissing Pirlo. I, I at this point I missing Europe, maybe. But even then I, I think Number one, I don't think it's very likely that they will miss uh, the Champions League next year. But even if they were, like, you have to give some sense of consistency to the club, to the players, to the manager, because you can't just be firing dudes willy-nilly and hope that, that it'll it work itself out. That's just not how it works. Unless you're in the Premier League. <laughs> A bastion of, of stability. I know. <laughs> All right, you, you guys alluded to it a little bit, and we'll just kind of go quickly around the horn for this for this question. From at KO1032, what would it actually take for Juventus management to fire Pirlo? No Champions League? Yeah, I think so. I think that's that's the only scenario I can – no Champions League and or another Saudi situation where the players start to – to turn on him, although I am not seeing signs of that. So I don't think that's particularly likely, but yeah, I think no champions league is especially given the, the amount of money that the team has already lost when it comes to COVID. I think that's, that's the only conce- That's the only scenario that I think would, would make it justifiable. Yeah. I probably second that no champions league and just, it's kind of an intangible, but like no Champions League and like no clear idea of what is next, like next season, which again is very intangible, is very diff- subjective and difficult to define. But, you know, just if we, if there is no clear idea on like, okay, what are we building on next year? Which I think there is. So I, you know, I think we're good on that respect. Yeah. Agreed. No Champions League or uh, me personally, I, I, I would, even if you're, there's no Champions League, even if there's Europa League, I think that's good enough. I, I mean, I don't think that'll happen. There, I mean, it's, I think it's pretty unlikely. Right now, they're third with the game in hand. I, I, I'm pretty sure that unless something truly catastrophic happens, I think they'll make Champions League next year. But even if they weren't to not make it and they go to the Europa League or something, I, I, I got to say that even then you, you have to keep it because of what Sam said, because they just don't have the money right now to hire another guy because there is no other guy out there. I think you have to keep it going unless they, like I said, like something catastrophic happens and they go to like sixth or seventh place, they miss out on Europe. And if that were to happen, I'm guessing something like what Sam mentioned would have gone down, right? Like Pirlo losing the locker room or open player revolt, which it's definitely not going to happen or from what we see, I don't think it's a likely thing to happen. So yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure Pirlo is going to be the manager of next year. Then again, I was also pretty sure that Sarri was going to be the manager this year. So, you know, the lesson here is that I'm wrong often, but still. Well, you, you did say, like you said, like you alluded to a few minutes back, you did say the Scudetto run was going to come to an end at some point. So yeah, I'm wrong often, not always. Let's put it that way. Man, that's like saying it's going to rain someday. <laughs> it is. It's going to rain. There's no life in that statement. <laughs> All right. From at some guy 
London. In 2011, Juventus signed players with a particular personality. Arrogance, Grinta, like Stefan Lichsteiner. He certainly had a certain arrogance and personality. Andrea Pirlo, Mirko Vucinic, and Arturo Ridal arrived and transformed the dynamics at the club. Rather than hurling around names at potential targets, like, say, we did last week, uh, do you... <laughs> Do you agree personality is what needs to be addressed at the club? I, I think that's important, like like you said. But, you know, and, and again, I think it's something that if you're going to, and I don't think that that's how they do signings, but if you're going to do signings by the type of guy, you know, his, his locker room personality, his personality in general, if you're going to do that, you have to have him plan something in motion. Like you, you have to know that next year, this is how we're going to play and this is what our personality is going to be. We're going to build that from within. And I think that's good if you can just like know that because like, like I said before, you know, all of those guys that, that he mentioned that were pretty big parts of, of that, you know, first Juventus championship and, and their general turnaround, they were not sure things at the time. You know, I mean, right now it obviously looks like, yeah, Lich Steiner obviously he was good. And Pirlo, he was obviously good. But at the time, yeah, Lick Steiner was a, a pretty good, you know, fullback. We, we kind of, that was kind of like a more of a short thing. But Andrea Pirlo was coming off of, of being just outright released by Milan. They thought he was over the hill, and, and he very much wasn't. But, you know, that wasn't a sure thing. Arturo Vidal wasn't a sure thing. Uh, Andrea Barzagli, who was also assigned around there, definitely wasn't a sure thing. Carlos Tevez, who I would, you know, put in with that group regarding that, that kind of passion, that kind of personality, you know, he was a malcontent in England that they got for nothing. So though all of those signings on hindsight, they look great. Like they look like genius moves at the time. They were very much bets that they would, you know, they were hoping that they would cash in. So if, if I guess if signings were so, you know, so easy, everyone could be a, you know, a general manager or, a, you know, head of, of football operations everywhere, but it, it's tough. So I would definitely love to see guys with that attitude, with that, you know, personality be, being that in, back in Juventus. I think some of them already are here. Like, you, you look at, at a guy like Matthijs De Ligt. I mean, that dude has, you know, he has personality. He, he's already looks like a veteran out there. Like, they have a bunch of guys like that. I would definitely love to see more guys that, that kind of, like, wear their heart on their sleeve and, and can bring some of that, that grinta back into, into the team. Yeah, the the lack of the guys like like you know the 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 biggest guy I think was Mandzukic in the last couple of years that had that, uh, and I think I I do think that losing him gave a you know to it, the the mentality took a shot when we lost him, which I I also I just didn't think that it was time for him to go either when he did, but I also do agree with Sergio that there's there's a little bit coming you know like. You know, Delicts not only is, you know, he's showing that off, you know, he played most of last season with his shoulder about to fall off. McKenney, when he's when he doesn't look like he's about to die, he's, you know, he's got that. He is a starting to develop a little bit of a swagger to him as, as his confidence goes up. And the other thing is Grinta is not necessarily, you know, that that word is so nebulous and it's not necessarily the same it, it doesn't look the same in every player you know you're not gonna have you know just because somebody doesn't look like arturo vidal every single time he plays a game doesn't mean he doesn't have it it's sometimes it's just a little bit different claudio Mar- exactly claudio marquisio it, it's um 
I, I wouldn't put it as, as the we must sign a green, you know, green the guys. You know, you, you sign who fits. And if he happens to be that kind of a player, all the better. You know, Stefan Licksteiner, you know, yeah, he was a, he was a, a green guy. He also fit and filled a huge, huge hole in that team on the right side because, you know, that was Marco Motta playing right back. And, you know, Marco Motta was a bad, bad man. And Stefan Licksteiner made the bad man go away. <laughs> you know, that, that was, you know, that, that, but that's what he said. You know, you, you signed, and that was your prime example. You know, you saw in the question too, you signed Licksteiner. Yes. He was an ant, you, you know, he, he was, he, he was, a, he was a jerk. Sometimes he was a pit bull, but he also, he was a player that was needed in that moment. So you find you find the guys that you need, and then if they're like that, even better. All righty, final Twitter question for today from David Desberg at the True Roac. We'll have a little fun with this one. Is there some sort of clause in Cristiano Ronaldo's contract that requires him to take so many damn free kicks? I'm surprised it took so long for a question like that to come up. <laughs> 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 Actually, uh, I was going to take the lead on this one, but uh, Sergio, I think you should take the lead on this one because you you talked about it in your grab bag. Yeah, I, I did. I did because I was I was catching the end of, of the Verona game, and Danny mentioned it in, in his piece too. I think Sam did too. But it was it was just fun that the, one of the last plays was that you know free kick chance that Ronaldo had, and, and everyone was hyping them up and it was like this big deal and everyone who's seen Juventus for the last three years knew that 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 was like it's what are we doing here like he's gonna miss it like he he always misses that one like I don't know why it would be different this time so I kind of like and and one comment that the announcers that the the port the ESPN deportes announcers had when he shot one earlier in the game he shot it he missed badly and they said well that's Ronaldo he always has high hopes it's like, well, th- he's a professional. Like you, like this is not like a prayer. This is a free kick. This is like an actual offense. Like this is not a midfield, you know, shot that he's trying to make happen. This is like an actual dangerous free kick opportunity, and he's just having faith that it'll go down. So yeah, I, I went and looked, and apparently, even at Real Madrid, he wasn't particularly good. I think that the stat was that he he made twenty. 20 in 313 attempts as a Real Madrid player. This is when he was at his peak. Like he was legitimately the, like the best player in the world at the time. And then, you know, he won a lot of the awards. I'm not going to go into that debate, but whatever. The, the point is, this is the best Ronaldo has ever been. And he was terrible. So it does make you wonder. And I get that he's the star. I get that, that he's the big marquee signing. I get that he carries a lot of weight in that locker room, in the pitch. He has a presence to him. That all makes sense to me. But just from like a sporting perspective, from a numbers perspective, from everywhere you want to see it, having him take those shots at this point is just objectively making your team worse. And it's just wasting opportunities that could be scoring opportunities. And especially because he's so good at doing all the other things, just, just, let this one go. I don't know if this is an ego thing because now it's been three managers with Allegri, with Seri, and now with Pirlo that have just given him carte blanche to take those shots. And, and 
and this is not coming from a place of like you know oh he they, they hate Ronaldo it's not that he's a really really good player and he does a lot of really really good things but that's just not one of the things that he does well and and I you know he's just not going to give them up I guess but and I guess Pirlo is not going to take them away from him but but they should and I don't know what's going to happen with that but I guess it's just going to keep happening until he turns it around I guess until he comes back to being Cristiano Ronaldo of 2008 when he was actually good at taking free kicks but unless that happens you know it's just going to be one of those things one of those quirks Juventus can't score free kicks I guess like it's just you know it's it's a thing that we have to deal with I guess it comes with the package of having Ronaldo in your team which again is a good thing but he sucks at free kicks like that's just a fact at this point I'm going to read, I just pulled up on my computer my notes from yesterday. Uh, this is, th- these are my actual notes that I wrote. 90, Ronaldo tries to go solo, gets taken down before he can get to the box. Davidovich gets yellow for taking him down. Wall time. Yeah, wall time. Exactly. <laughs> wall time. Wall time. Then, <laughs> then, 90 plus one, wall time. Like, that's, like, I, I and that's the other thing is that not only is he com- completely failing at this stuff, he's doing it the same t- way over and over and over again. It's like he's, I-, I know I've made this joke before in my in my pieces, but it's like he is trying to somehow prove that he can score a goal through a solid human. Because that's all he ever does is just load up and fire it waist high into the wall. And it is the, and like, I when that when that free kick came up last week, I in that last minute, I'm thinking to myself, it's not going to happen. But you know what? I really wish Bernadeschi takes this free kick because he is better. Federico Bernadeschi actually has the exact same amount of free kick goals for Juventus as Cristiano Ronaldo does. And actually, that one free kick was really good too. It was like off at an angle. A couple of, his first year it was against Fiorentina. But like that was also. If Dybala was healthy and on the field there, that was Dybala's ball. And 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 I will give Ronaldo some credit in that on those on the left-footed shots, he is sometimes deferring to Dybala when he's there. But like Ronaldo is is you know when when Miralem Pjanic was on the was on the team, Ronaldo was the fourth best free kick taker on the team behind Pjanic, Dybala, and I think Bernardeschi, and then, then him. But he's, he sucks at this. Why? Why are you letting him still do this? I don't care who he is. He's not doing, he's not contributing to the team with this. Also a fun fact, and, like, because of Bernardeschi shooting way less, definitely has a higher percentage rate like yeah they, very they much sort of once but like way higher <laughs> per success rate right like just yeah numbers but like and but that not only that it's just like the the number and i i remember when that stat came out last year that that like group of stats about ronaldo not only is he missing them an inordinate number of the ones that he takes do go into the wall at which is just pointless because then there's then you don't even have a, a rebound opportunity you know, if it goes on on target or if it hits a post or something, it's just you're just burring it into the wall. You know, but you know, 
before lockdown when I, you know, when we were all at legends in New York all the time for every game, I would start taking bets, you know, second guy from the left. Is he, is that the one that's going to get hit this time? Like, and against Crotone, he hit McKinney. <laughs> he hit his own guy that time. Like it's just, just cha- changing it up a little bit. Changing it up a little. Yeah. Changing it up a little bit, but it, it's, it, it, it's, it, it shows how much pull he really had, you know, that kind of cult of, of personality and celebrity and, and talent, yes, has that he can be so bad at this, but no coaches, no coach wants to take it away. Allegri did it best. Allegri would actually, you know, have Pjanic and Dybala taking free kicks almost as much as Ronaldo, but the last two years, he's just overtaken it. And it's, it sucks because he's, you know, those are chances to score that we're just giving up by having him do this. Yeah, and surely he must know. I mean, he's he's enough of a professional that surely he must know, like, just being honest with himself, like, hmm, this is not really working out, but I don't know. All I can say is uh, 20 out of 313. I mean, the interest rate on my savings account is almost higher than that, so uh, that's uh, <laughs> that's something. <laughs> And that's dire, dire straight. So yeah, pick it up, mate. Come on. Well, that's why you're a businessman, not a business. Uh, man, Leo, let's end it on that. That was that was lit. That was lit. <laughs> all right. Thank you all for your Twitter questions because Chuck has formally announced that our Twitter question segment is over as he does the sign of the cross for whatever reason. Now it's official. <laughs> You can send your Twitter questions to us at Juventus Nation. You can also follow us there. Uh, Follow us on Facebook, search at Black and White and Red All Over. You can also do the same search to find us on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, at Google Podcasts, and on Spotify. Black and White and Red All Over, you should be there. So, for Sam, and for the Our Fathering Chucks, and for Sergio Romero, This is Danny saying thank you very much for listening. And hopefully, I know I said it last week, hopefully we're in a better mood. But hopefully next week we're in a better mood. Because you know what? We deserve to talk about nice things on this podcast for a change.